0: Welcome to Let's Talk Church. I'm Brian, and I'm Matt. We're here to talk about all that is going on in the church world. In this podcast, we find blog posts, articles, and vicious rumors about the church world, and we talk about it. All right, Matt, let's do it. Let's talk church.
1: All right. So today, Matt, we are we're gonna we're gonna jump in real deep. Uh, we're going to talk about truth. Uh, there's an article in uh, on Christianity.com, right? I think we used one of their articles last week, uh, entitled "What Is the Difference Between Your Truth and the Truth?" And I think uh, I think you and I can agree that there is truth, right? Truth does exist; it is out there. Uh, but there's a lot of people, uh, even people that you and I know, that don't necessarily follow an idea of objective absolute truth so what is truth what does it mean does it really matter if we affirm some sort of absolute truth
0: sound like a good time it does you said the truth is out there it makes me think about the x-files oh you're gonna you're gonna be
1: the uh the father Stephen of this group and make lots of pop culture references that i'm never
0: gonna understand
1: um, I do I mean, understand the
0: X-Files. If an obscure sci-fi show from the late 90s <laughs> is a pop culture reference, then all right. Well,
1: that's how it goes. So, last week, we uh, we had our, our very first episode, and we talked about uh, three different articles. And I think we found that was a little bit too much. So, we're going to narrow it down this week, and, and we're going to dive in deep on this one particular article on Truth that sound like a plan
0: yeah you want to start kind of give us a summary of what the author's talking about here
1: yeah that she uh, i think it's a, a she i looked, but yeah glory um she has a, a pretty important point that she's trying to make that there is some form of objective truth right many people today uh, make a Distinction between their truth and the truth, right? It's it's becoming more and more common in even in Christian circles that that particular level of truth is is not really there. You know, it's become a more subjective experience um, than an objective one. And so she's going through and pointing out why it does matter in her in her opinion why it matters
0: well I think she does a pretty good job she goes beyond her opinion she actually pulls in some scripture and things and I'm always a big fan of when when, when a writer does that uh, her name is Glory Die. what a great name for somebody <laughs> writing articles on Christianity.com right ain't nothing to do with the article here but let me just say she's got a great name for this job um, but you, you talked about, you know, my truth versus the truth, you know, I think that a lot of times people use my truth. Well, give us an example. Where would somebody use my truth? What, what could be my truth versus the truth? What, what does that mean?
1: Um, I've,
0: I've heard,
1: uh, people state things like, um, my truth is that so-and-so sin is Okay. Right? because i've not explicitly been told by god that it's not right just dive right in right to to that or that um that mentality that uh, jesus is my homeboy right um that he's not i, I don't want to say that he's not god right because it's not necessarily that that's what they're saying but they're taking their idea of christ and applying it to him instead of taking christ and applying it to their own ideas
0: well i think we're talking about applying christ but i think people use that in general for lots of things in life often as a conflict resolution method right you know we don't want to disagree uh one of the terms always drives me nuts is well let's agree to disagree Well, let's 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 define a few things. One, we can disagree and not hate each other. Disagreement is okay. Yeah, absolutely. You okay. and I disagree by lots of things, right? And yet we're friends. But we don't have to agree to disagree. It just seems so weird to me. See, to me, that seems to go into this, which is the my truth versus the truth thing. Well, my truth is this, even if that disagrees with what the truth is, uh, because my perspective may be different. My experiences may be different or maybe just my beliefs or feelings may be different. And I find that to be a place where I'm uncomfortable. Other people find that as a place of comfort because they don't want disagreement. Um, myself, which kind of goes with that my truth thing, right? Myself, I lean towards wanting some order and wanting uh, to make sense of the chaos and I need to know... I want to know what the truth is. And the author makes a point of where the truth comes from, which is, I'm assuming, where we're going to go next in this conversation. And I think that's very important. I find it kind of wishy-washy. And I lean way away from wishy-washy things. I really try to. uh, This definition of my truth. Something's either true or it's not true. It can't be both. Now, the author does make a point... Um, let me. I want to. I want to quote her properly here. What does she say? Um, there are. She says, "Quote." There are many different perspectives or interpretations of truth, but there is only one truth. The truth can be expressed in a variety of ways, but there is only one truth. I think that's a good point, point. and so the truth can look different sometimes, but the truth doesn't change.
1: Right. Well, let me let me ask you this. Uh, what? actually is truth right you know we we hear that word thrown out a lot we're using that word now the article is using the word what actually is truth
0: well she talks about in there she mentions that jesus says that he's the truth okay yeah Uh, she also mentions that a lot of leaders want a single source of truth you know when you're having a a debate or a discussion about things—it's helpful to know what that's based on. And if you, if truth can just come from anywhere, well, you're not going to get very far in the discussion or the debate, right? Because you don't have a single source of truth. Um, you know that I, I come from a tradition that is very big about uh, sola scriptura—that we 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 look to the Bible as our single source of truth. We look to the Word of God. Um, When there's questions about things. Mm -hmm. I find a lot of comfort in that and being able to refer back to that. You mentioned earlier about somebody says, well, it's not a sin to me because God hasn't told me directly. I think things that are sin that the Bible discusses, you know, Mm -hmm. I do see. And this is where she was talking about um, interpretations or perspectives, you know. I do see how levels of things, or particular things, can be, it's a sin or it's not a sin, but it can be a sin in your life because it's caused you to do other sins. Um, One common big example is drinking alcohol. The Bible doesn't say that drinking alcohol is a sin, it does say getting drunk is a sin. Right. And that is one of those many perceptions of levels of things and it goes back to intention jesus came and he spoke so much about intention the pharisees had all these rules and most of their rules were correct but what they left out in the whole thing of rules was the intention uh jesus said that if you're angry with your brother you're guilty of murder it's because of the intention it is possible to murder somebody and by definition murder them but not be guilty of the sin of murder. You know, I could run over somebody with my car, I murdered them, but I didn't do it because I was angry at them or on purpose. So I'm not guilty of the sin of murder. So those things we can look at, but the only way we know to look at stuff like that is by looking at scripture. If we had to weigh that based on law, then (laughs) we would be guilty of second degree murder Our second degree sin or manslaughter which is kind of like murder light right right and we're basing that off of the laws of men is our source of truth so it's important that we only have the one source of truth the author makes several points about our truth is just not good enough we can have our truth all we want she breaks it down your truth is groundless your truth is unspiritual your truth is not relying on God right Um, and then the last thing she says only the truth is God's word what do you think? Uh, I you, you, you said a lot there Um That's because I have a lot in my head here I'm, I'm, I'm a really smart person, you know I hear you <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> No, I You know, I, I grew up in the same Um Tradition That, that you did, right? I, I think we, we both know that Um But I've come to an understanding that the Bible is not necessarily the only source of truth. Um, But that doesn't really answer the question of, of what is truth. And I would say truth is that which matches reality, right? Um, not just physical material reality but spiritual reality as well and taking it to that understanding right that the truth has a reality backing it just like uh, you know we know you know a what is it a Kilogram is based on a particular amount of a chemical stored somewhere in France, right? I, I don't remember exactly, but there's there's something backing that, right? That says this is a kilogram. Truth has reality backing it, right? God exists, right? Um, God is truth, right? He's the truth. Everything has its existence through him, right? Um, and I think that brings us to a good point of what then is the difference between objective and subjective truth. And I think God, right? God is objective truth. However, right, all of the truth that we have, that we experience, by nature, right, essentially, is subjective, right? What we know about God, we don't know everything about God, therefore we cannot objectively know the truth of God, right? We know what he has given us and how we've experienced that, which makes it
0: subjective. what do you think? Fred? Well, that's all well and good, but how do we tell what the truth is? Well, that's we're we're getting to that. That's our that's our point four, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that's the most important part of it, though. Right. Uh, so, so how, how do we, how do we take that into a practical application in our life? If we can't use the excuse, well, this is my truth, mm-hmm. then how do we know what the truth is? We got to have something to base that on. Right? Uh,
1: this, this, is, this is a point for the listeners. We should make sure that people understand that you and I are really good friends, right? But this is a point where, where you and I differ, right? Um, I am of the opinion that when Paul wrote that the church is the pillar and the ground of the truth, right, that what he means is the church holds the truth. Right? The church is the keeper of truth. And so, while the Bible is the final arbiter of truth, right? It's the church's job to ensure that that truth is maintained. Define arbiter for us. Oh, you're making me, making me define my words, even though I just use them because I know them. Um, the the church is the one that sits down and says, the Bible says this, right? This is what we've been handed throughout the generations. So therefore, this is or is not truth, right? The, the church looks back at the Bible and says, yes, this is this is the proper way to interpret it, right? This is the orthodoxy, the, the right perception for understanding this, this particular passage or verse or psalm, or however you want
0: to break it down. And where we would disagree is that I would say, I don't take much talking into what the church says, into what the Bible says, but the problem we both have with this argument, it's the same, we have the same problem, no matter which, which way we're looking at this, though, is who's to say that has not changed over time. So who's to say the church has not changed what it says is the truth over time. And in my case, who's to say that the version, the the translation of the Bible that I'm using has not changed over time. So what would be your, your defense of that? I mean, if we're going to use that as the source of truth, how would you explain that? that well, we going to say, who said not even say it hasn't. We know it's changed. So how would you explain some of that change? I
1: was actually listening to another podcast today and, and they were discussing that change in scare quotes. Um, scare quotes, I like that. Right. Um, uh, And the tradition, big-T tradition, of the Eastern Church, right, I'll break it down to the Eastern Church, not the Roman Catholics, not the Protestants, uh, has not changed from the beginning. The small things, right, that do uh, do not produce a substantial difference have changed, right? language changes, right? We don't use these and those anymore, right? We speak English instead of Greek, right? Those kinds of things have changed and it's forced the church to step back and say, hang on, we've got to make sure that we define these things in particular ways, but never has the initial point of truth been redefined, right? The way that it's explained and against heretics does change, right? That's how we got the Nicene Creed, all of these other pieces of of church history come into play because it was having to be defined
0: so that the boundary of the truth was never extended. Does that make sense? It does. It does. And it's very similar to the argument that I would use, which is that... um... We have different translations, and to understand it, you have to understand how the Bible was was, was constructed in the first place, right? Mm -hmm. The Bible is a collection of other books. Lots of them were letters or stories that were written down. Right. And they were all divinely inspired. Every bit of the Bible was written by a man somewhere, okay? Mm -hmm. But it was written by many different people. And the argument is that it was inspired by God, that the Holy Spirit worked with these people to write those, those down. And that not only, and see, we, we, we a lot of folks know about that, but what they don't take into account is the fact that the books of the Bible were put together and it was said, okay, this is the Holy Bible. And that's something that the church did right. at that time. And that also had to be done with divine influence, right? Absolutely. Um, and that while there is divine influence in all that, yes, there can be things with men that are wrong, There has not been any major corrections in that, but what there has been is uh, interpretations uh, of the Bible, or not interpretations, translations of the Bible, as we have learned translating differently or learn more about ancient culture. Um, A lot of people know in our history, there was a long period of history where we we lost a lot of our ancient history because we didn't study it. And the only place that was kept was in the churches. Right um, by very few people. Uh, you mentioned earlier the Eastern traditions and things, but you know the, tr- the, the the dominant church for a lot of human history was the Roman Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of things were, were only kept within within the church on, on both those sides for a long time. So yeah, some things could be messed up, but that's where we take faith that this is the divinely inspired Word of God. And we, we take that on faith. Right. Yep. Uh, so
1: I, I guess we, we, we do definitely agree that there is some objective truth out there. So, how, given our two different traditions and our two different understandings, right, how do we practically apply that um, in our own lives? Right? How or how do we how do we help the listener? Right? Because the whole point of this is to help our listeners. Right? We um, could sit here and talk about this between ourselves all day, but how do we help them to tr- to discern that absolute truth?
0: So my my thinking on that would be if you're trying to you're looking at a subject and you say, well, what is the truth of this? You've got to turn to scripture and you've got to. Um, study your scripture and listen that can be really hard that's one of those reasons we're supposed to be constantly studying scripture and learn new things i've been saved since i was 18 years old i'm 37 years old now so that seems like a long time that's what 19 years um and during that time i've served in churches i've done some seminary but i do not have a seminary degree i've done a bajillion different bible studies and i still constantly find that i'm learning new things and learning new things from the Word of God. Um, And I think it's important that we keep doing that and that we keep studying so that whenever we do have a question of what is truth, we know where to turn to look for that truth, where to find the source of what is objectively true about something. Right. Uh, Without that, without that maintaining that relationship with God and maintaining that knowledge of His Word and getting knowledge of His Word. I think it's it's almost impossible to know what the truth would be. Um So yeah, that's what I would say. What would you say? Uh, I would
1: I would agree almost 100% with what you say, right? It it does does require uh the individual to sit back and and study and learn and seek it out. Um However, where where I do differ, um, I found this article earlier. um, Let me read this, uh, and and we can come back and talk about this because it should have been in point three when we were talking about objective truth in and of itself. Uh, Christ as truth is not objective. He was not a philosopher like Socrates sharing wisdom among his devotees or even a rabbi instructing pupils from the Bible. Uh, the peripatetic son of, of God has nowhere to lay his head. Constantly on the move from the right hand of the Father to and through the womb of Theotokos and into the world of his time, he was ever challenging the conventions, confusing the authorities, and astounding the despondent ever gathering disciples and bonding them to himself in the upper room and more securely on the cross and beyond the tomb, that truth that is Christ as truth, uh, that truth cannot be understood or contained in one's mind alone or in the heart alone, nor at any one moment. It, or rather he, needs to always be born within our souls, developing and expanding as we open ourselves to his truth on our way through life and beyond. Um, that comes from the OCA, uh, What is Truth, actually, from 2010. Um, he makes a, a very good point that truth, right, when we're talking about Christ himself, right, when we're talking about Christ as the truth, right, it's not just mere head knowledge, right? it's not even heart knowledge, it's experiential, right? It's phenomenological, right? It's life happening through us. It's truth being ingrained in us day by day as we strive to know him more and more through daily prayer, through daily study, through fasting, through almsgiving, through through all of these different things that Christ has commanded us to do. We grow to know him more and more, thereby growing to know the truth more and more and I think if we if we limit truth to head knowledge and you know me right head knowledge is my thing I've got books and books and books and I, I love to know things right but none of these books show me the truth I can only get that through experiencing Jesus Christ.
0: I don't understand that because that brings what we're calling the truth into some sort of metaphysical feeling, thought, spirit. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> uh, it makes more sense to me to say is this thing true or not true? But what you're discussing there, I'm not sure what that definition of that even is. That is knowing...
1: When, when you take Christ at his word in John 14, he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life, right? If he is the truth, right? That's not something that can be truly, intimately known just in your mind. That is something you must experience because you're no longer learning facts, but you're learning
0: a person. Just like I don't if say that doesn't change to being something else besides the truth. That sounds like something else. It's like saying, This is bread, you can eat it. But bread is really a spiritual thing and you can experience it, but it's not well, something you would eat. It's much more than that. Bread Okay, is bread that is bread is, you're talking about? You know? Bread is a perfect example.
1: Because we've both had bread, right? But you I ate all the bread earlier. Right. But you have never had the bread that I've had. Right? It's just not it's just not possible, right? You can't also eat the same bread that I've eaten. I hope not. Right. You know, right? Uh, but I can tell you all about that bread. Right? You I can tell you exactly what ingredients went into it, how long I cooked it, all of all of the everything, right? I can give you the exact understanding of that bread
0: but do you know that bread no but that doesn't make bread not bread I think I, when Jesus was saying I am the way the truth and the life he was being descriptive he is the way you should follow him he is the truth what he says is true he is the life they were looking for life no, see, you know you,
1: I, I think you just added words into Jesus's mouth think you added a whole metaphysical experience that isn't there no no because he didn't say i am the source of truth right so therefore everything that i say is true he didn't say i am you know some other piece of truth he said i am the truth
0: well that reminds me of the story of whenever he healed the blind man he said your sins are forgiven and they right. got all upset at him. And he's like, well, what was easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? What do you want from me?" Yeah. And then he had the guy get up and walk. Uh, yeah. I get what you're saying about the bread thing. And that makes a little more sense. But it still seems to be more complication than he's the source of the truth, which is kind of how I see it.
1: Right. And 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 I, I get that. You know, that's that difference between East and West, uh, between between you and I, you know, um, I, I choose to know him experientially as well as knowing him by all these books,
0: but, um, And I more- do agree with you that knowing Jesus is important. And I think the best way to know him is to study his word. And that's kind of goes back to what I was talking about the truth. How can you know the truth, but to study the word, right? Right. Um, how can you know Jesus, the, the, the best way to have a relationship with Jesus? We were talking in our uh, life group this morning we're recording this on a sunday right now and um we were talking about acts 2 and how the church came together and uh was in one accord and all these different things and was talking about how they did that and one of the things they did was they prayed together and why is that important and it reminded me that in my spiritual walk one thing that i struggled with for a long time was prayer because if we have this omnipresent God, omnipresent God who knows everything, He's he, he knows all my thoughts, he knows what's going to happen, time doesn't even really exist to him, he knows the future, the past, it's just all one thing to him, right? Right. If he knows all this stuff, why does lowly Matt need to pray, dear Lord Jesus, please forgive me of my sins, dear Lord Jesus, please pray for... Sister Mitchell so-and-so, you know, she's got some cancer. Can you please heal her? Why would I need to pray for people like that? That makes no sense to me, logically. But prayer is how we build relationship. With that prayer is how we pull ourselves out, how we literally worship God, and how we we, we commune with Mm the Lord, you know? And that's important. And so your description of truth there well i wouldn't necessarily call it truth because that confuses me i do think that building of that relationship is super important and we build our relationship by studying his word and by prayer and by obedience to his commands which is the mm. part of what you were describing there right um i think but, uh, i think go ahead i was gonna say uh, and I think you
1: you do understand what I'm saying. If the words themselves are not, yeah, you know, language is fun like that. It's a challenge, um, yeah. Because what you're what you're describing is is taking the time to follow him and to and to learn to put yourself where he wants you, right? And to do that, you have to know him. And so as you're doing these things you're coming more and more to the knowledge of him and i agree prayer is hard prayer is very hard yeah and it should be the simplest thing that we have to do right it's it should be easier than fasting it should be easier than giving to the poor but for some reason we often make it far more difficult than it has to be Um.
0: Uh (laughs) that is true and I think sometimes we make it intimidating to new believers Um, our gracious Heavenly Father you know things like that we get real churchy and stuff right and I think we can make that super intimidating to new believers um, but I want to share here real quick, I know we're running up on our time, that um, many years ago I was a member of this church in Texarkana, and I'll just name names, uh, Pleasant Grove Baptist Church. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I like this church, but I was not following the Lord real well. I'd been saved a couple of years at that point, had a lot of tumultuous stuff in life, was not really working on this relationship with God. That was not my priority at the time. And the pastor used to, uh, he used to come by my work, even though I didn't really go to church. Now I say as a member of this church, I joined the church that didn't show up for six weeks. <laughs> then I went, they didn't show up for another month. Then I went, didn't show up for another few more weeks, whatever, just sort of went. I mean, if I felt really good and the weather was right and I happen to have time and the extra gas, I kind of went to church sometimes, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but he used to show up at my work And, uh, Sonic had these, these burgers, get five burgers for $5 or something like that on Tuesdays. Right. He had four people in his family. So he'd bring me the extra hamburger, but y'all don't know that Matt's a fat guy and loves some food. (laughs) So if you want to make friends with Matt, bring me a hamburger or something. Okay. So he brought me a hamburger. So that at least let me talk to the guy. He, he could talk to me. So then he asked to come to my house one day and I don't have folks in my house, Brian, we've known each other like 10 years. I think you've been in my house once or twice.
1: So I've been inside your house once.
0: <laughs> yeah. I've been to your house because there was literally a epic snowstorm in Texas and I needed help. Right? Yep. So anyways, I don't have folks in my house, but he asked to come to the house. So he came to the house. He was talking and he asked me about serving in a prayer ministry. Now, why you would ask somebody who don't ever show up to church come up and serve in a prayer ministry, I don't know. But we can talk about his sanity later. <laughs> but I think, I think he was listening to the Lord because this prayer ministry, they had this room at the church. You go down there, they give you a key. You don't have to get in the rest of the church, and you, you pick your time. I went there after work on Thursday afternoons. I get off work about five o'clock. No, I got off work like 3.30 back then. I drive there, and I spend one hour. My obligation was to spend one hour all by myself. We had three little books of prayer requests. They were sorted out. People would call in the prayer line, and the secretary would write them down in this book. And I was supposed to go in there and pray through these prayer requests for folks. That was so difficult to pray for an entire hour. Mm-hmm. I don't come from a tradition, I wasn't saved in tradition that makes a big priority on long times of prayer as a form of worship. We do pray in the Baptist church, but we often don't make big long prayers like that. So I wasn't used to it in any sort. And I had very little relationship with God at that point in time. Yes, I was saved, but I was not actively maintaining that relationship. And so it was difficult. I'll admit, the first couple of times I fell asleep just sitting there on that nice comfy couch. And then my alarm went off because I had to set an alarm to make sure I knew it was time to go. And I'd do my hour and leave and felt like I did my obligation to the Lord. But over time, I started reading those prayer requests and started actually spending my time on my knees praying for these people, not sitting on the couch. And then I started taking the prayer requests and calling these folks and praying with them over the phone. Nobody asked me to do that, but I felt like the Lord was leading me to, let's do something about this. And that time of reflection and prayer changed my entire life. That is why I reconciled with my father who at that time I hadn't spoken to in years, various reasons for that. And that is why I left that church and joined the youth ministry um, at another church as a youth minister. Um, and yeah, I ended up leaving that church, but that, that pastor at that church changed my life by inviting me to that prayer ministry. Mm-hmm. I think prayer is a very important part of building a relationship, yep. and we need that for the truth. Um, but I do think that we can't have just one or the other. Like a lot of things in life, you've got to have stuff together. You've got to have that studying of of the, of the Scripture, and I think the Scripture is where we're going to get, where we're going to find, kind of pull this back in here, the Scripture is where we're going to get where we're going to find what is happening, um, what what the truth is. You yeah. know, yeah, I agree. It's,
1: uh, like I said, it, it is the final source of truth, right? Uh, I... To to avoid extending us another hour, uh, I will, you know, just point out as we're as we're striving to study and learn more, uh, we have to be careful about allowing uh, modern culture and modern uh, Western ideals to influence how we're reading something. Right? Uh, there is objective truth there in the in the Bible, right? But we also have to remember it was written to a particular people in a particular time with a particular purpose. So when we're studying, we have to be willing to take that step back and say, why was this here, right? Uh, if, we, if we don't, then we run the risk of taking the truth, right, that is the scripture and turning it into my truth. Uh, there's a,
0: a fine line there that we, we have to be cautious of. Um, I think of like cooking some scrambled eggs. I cooked two scrambled eggs this morning. <laughs> as we walk through our spiritual walk, and as we study the Bible, we need to learn to study it more effectively, right? Yep. Yep. One of the things we need to look at is the culture it was written to, because it was mostly uh, you know, letters and things. We need to look at the time it was done. We need to look at how the translation was done. All those things are important, but Joe Schmo out here may not know that yet. It takes a while right. to build up to knowing some of that, and there's a lot of stuff I don't know, okay? A lot of stuff. But I think about cooking them scrambled eggs. So, my, my kid was four years old. All he really needed to know about that stove when I'm cooking is the stove is hot don't touch I, it yep but now that he's eight and he's old enough to cook some scrambled eggs he didn't because he was sleeping but <laughs> he could he needs to know that that is hot don't touch it but you can adjust this knob to make it different levels of hot right when you need it certain hot to cook if it's too low it won't cook if it's too high it'll burn it's still true that that's hot don't touch it right but he's learned more about that particular thing He's,
1: he's learned to know how to use
0: that it's hot, don't touch it, for good, right? To, right, and to truth didn't change. Right. That's my point. The truth didn't change, right. but our understanding of it can definitely change. Right, and our ability uh, to understand it and, and utilize it. And utilize it. There is the key right there, right? Yep. I think that's a good stopping point for us. Yeah, I think so. Do you have any final words that you wanted to add? Boy, it would be more interesting if I did, but I really don't. I think we've talked about the. I was going to say, we, we've
1: covered quite a bit here. Um, I'm excited for next week. Um, I, I hope that our listeners will, will keep coming back and follow us. Uh, go ahead and subscribe. Leave your ratings. Tell us how we're doing. Uh, we greatly appreciate it.
0: Wait, I thought you were sending out a free donut to everybody that subscribed oh no hang on now <laughs> uh, right. we can talk about that we'll figure it out no free donuts ice cream sandwiches something I don't know we gotta come up with a plan here if we if we can't get people to listen just cause we're interested then we're gonna have to start bribing them or we're gonna get interesting real quick right right well let's let's hope that we're interesting for now we'll start there Okay, alright. Next week, let's tune in for our special guests. We'll have uh, Brian and Matt will be here with us and uh, we'll get their thoughts on whatever they're talking about. So next week we'll talk about church. <laughs>